We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Danny Hewson. And I'm Laura Suter. And with this episode, we thought with Christmas rapidly approaching and lots of pressure to make this Christmas much better than the disappointment that was last Christmas, we thought we'd focus on money and particularly how that impacts relationships at this time of year, which can be a bit of a tricky time. I think a lot of families are under pressure. And uh, this time of the year, when it's Christmas, the expectation is that you know there'll be presents, there'll be all the extra things. I think many families are really struggling with the idea to how to make that work. That was Peter Saddington from Relate. He says that money is very often right at the heart of tensions between couples that go to them for help. And it doesn't matter what that couple looks like. And there's no surprise that solicitors always report that they get a flood of people coming to them in the new year interested in divorce because of the tensions that have happened over the Christmas period. And it's not just a gender thing. We all have a unique relationship with money. But when you put two people together, one might be a saver, one might be a spender in a relationship that can create a bit of friction and some tricky conversations. And for other people, it's about having knowledge of what's coming into the household and what people are spending money on. And that's even before we've got into the issue of people earning different amounts. And often women have lower salaries than men, but that's not always the case. And that is changing quite a bit at the moment. And there is absolutely no right way to do things. I mean, some couples find that the best thing to do is to pool everything, to have a joint account that both partners pay into, while other people like to keep things separate. But I think the really important thing here is transparency. Right now, when everything is so expensive, uh, and I have to say that I've been in the situation where you just don't have enough money to pay for all those really expensive things that your children want. And there is a massive amount of pressure not to disappoint them, particularly, of course, because they're on social media, they see what their friends are getting, and they want to have the same thing. But, you know, We asked you, Clever Lot, for some of your top tips about how to enjoy Christmas without having a financial hangover. And you won't be surprised that of all the almost all the 700 people who responded to our Twitter poll, 39% said that the key thing was to agree a budget and stick to it. So chat together and agree what you're willing to spend and how much on who. And another top tip that came in at number two was to save throughout the year. Now, obviously, that's not going to be too helpful for this year. But if you're finding finances a bit of a struggle at the moment, you're finding Christmas a bit of a a push on your money, then it could be a good idea to bear that in mind and start um, in the new year. So start maybe in January or for some that's quite a tricky month. So February, um, work out how much you spent on Christmas all of it this year, so the the presents, the entertaining, the going out, the meals, um, and then divide that by 11 or 12 and and work out how much you could put away each month to really um, help get ahead on next Christmas. 
Now, Dee Horton tweeted that a mix of those two was definitely her top tip. And uh, Teresa Hadley said that she shops early when the sales are on, which is a really good idea, except that I often find that my kids maybe... I know what they want in January, February, but I can guarantee by the time Christmas comes around, it has completely changed. So that does make it a bit more tricky. But if you're not shopping for kids, sometimes that can be a real possibility and a great way to save money. So finally, on our Twitter poll on how to tackle Christmas costs was to focus on quality rather than quantity. So thoughtful gifts rather than just splashing the cash. And it seems like quite a few people are already doing this. So the latest government figures out on retail spending show that more people are shopping in charity shops. And that has a double whammy. So it's often cheaper, but also has a better environmental impact because you're not buying new. And a big shout out as well to Anne Hooper, who said that most parents don't want or need stuff. In fact, the one thing that they want, particularly from their adult children, is time, just to spend a bit of time. She says um, it's more precious than diamonds. Book, promise, plan to share your life with them. Hashtag memories. And I think that is a really good idea. You know, we've spoken a lot about stuff and the cost of stuff when of course last year we couldn't spend time with our loved ones and sometimes it is just a matter of you know popping around and and having a couple with them that is something that my mum says all the time and so there's some really great advice there and a lot of it sounds wonderful in theory but we know that this year is particularly hard for a lot of families the costs of stuff have gone up um, energy bills and other food bills have gone up and the worry of all of that can eat away at you a bit Yeah, and of course, you know, when you add in a bit of alcohol, maybe the in-laws, the kids off school and time spent together under one roof, you know, it it can be incendiary. You can end up having an awful lot of rows. And if money is at the heart of it, that can be really, really difficult, especially if money is tight. And, And we know that for a lot of people this year, that is the case, particularly if you were furloughed or you've lost your job or just because, you know, things like gas and electric. I mean, you know, those bills are going up and up. So to find out what some of the big issues are, to find out where you can go to get help if you are struggling with debt, I spoke to Peter Saddington from Relate. How often do you find when people come to you because they're having relationship issues that money is right at the root of those problems? It's actually a very common reason for people come to us um, because within a couple relationship and, and within a family, money plays such an important part. You know, you can't manage on a day to day basis unless you've got some understanding um, that, uh, where the money is and you've got some power over the money. If you haven't got control over the money, there's a lot of anxiety. So that, that anxiety leaks into arguments and problems within the relationship. And traditionally, a man has held control of the finances, has been the breadwinner. That over the last 20, 30 years has certainly changed. But do you still find that men and women handle finance differently? Yep. And um, to some extent, it's not completely changed because there are a number of um, things to take into account. You know, if if a cu- in a couple relationship they have children, then there'll have been a period of time when the woman's not earning as much or hasn't got access to the same amount of money. 
her career might well have been affected by taking um, time out to have children. So um, although lots of things have changed, I, I think that many of the people that we see um, would identify with the idea that the man's actually earning more money and the woman's in a slightly more vulnerable position. I do think that um, uh, traditionally, the man being the, on, the only um, person earning money has long changed. It is both of them that are likely to be earning. But the pressures on couples nowadays has just got even more extreme to be able to um, have your house, to be able to do all the things that you need to do. Both of you need to be earning. So the couple are under huge pressure to bring in the money. And I would imagine that at this time of year, particularly when we're starting to talk about Christmas, particularly if there are kids involved, but also because the cost of living is going up, that the situation can become quite acute quite quickly. It can. And and so uh, people get more and more anxious and worried about how they're going to manage. They've made commitments, uh, you know, for you make commitments towards your house, the bills and all the rest of it. And at the moment with, you know, gas, electricity, all those things being threatened to be going up quite a bit more. I think a lot of families are under pressure. And uh, this time of the year when it's Christmas, the expectation is that, you know, there'll be presents, there'll be all the extra things. I think many families are really struggling with the idea to how to make that work. And and so my experience is a lot of um, women in particular coming saying they're just really worried about how to manage. And there's already a lot of debt around. So if you add that on top of uh, worries that um, they're not going to be able to cope, you can see why why couples um, are struggling at the moment. And we've done some research which suggests certainly that, that men tend to have secret pots of money, either savings or perhaps they have secret credit cards. That They tend to deal with finances in a different way. And that, that's not just men. Some women also do the same thing. So what's a healthy way of managing finances as a couple? Well, I think I think one big difference in uh, a lot of relationships is that one of them might well be a saver and one might be a spender. And so I, I think in the early stages of a relationship, starting to have conversations about how you're going to manage the money and whether there are going to be ways in which you can have equal um, uh, equal equal support for each other in how you manage your money is really important I think uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of couples start working out whether they're going to have a, a separate household budget or whether they're going to just put everything together or keep everything totally separate and in a way there's not one that, that works better than another. But the thing that does work is having conversations about it, working out in your couple relationship, how are you going to manage the money? What's going to work for both of you? And it's really important not to have secrets. You know, if you're going to have um, responsibility as a, as a couple for your household and your family, then having clear conversations about where the money is and how it's going to be used becomes really important. So it doesn't matter whether or not you've got a joint account, whether or not you both have separate accounts, whether or not there's one bill account. It's about making sure that everybody is on the same level and that the conversations have been had and people are aware of what's going on. Oh, yes, totally. Because, 
you know, you're in this together, you're a team, you, you need to be able to manage this and understand where each person is. What you don't want to do is suddenly find out you've got a debt that you didn't know anything about, or you've got a commitment that you weren't aware of, or that you've taken on something um, that's going to have big implications on how you manage on a month by month basis. So being open and honest about your money is the, is the really important part, however you want to do it, but being open and honest about it. And my experience is that actually talking about money is one of the hardest things. So, you know, we can talk about lots of subjects, but actually being open and honest about how much you earn, how much you spend, where you spend it. My experience is a lot of couples struggle to do exactly that. So how do you do that if you're getting together this Christmas? uh, Maybe you're worried about your finances maybe you've changed job recently, maybe you've been through furlough, maybe you've gone part-time. It it could be a really good time to have that discussion. So how do you make sure that it it doesn't become antagonistic? Yeah, and and that's really, really tricky. Um, My my suggestion, my advice about that is is really um, plan for doing it. So um, all of it is about planning. If you're if you're if you've both got different ideas about what you're expecting at Christmas or what you want to do at Christmas, that's when the problems are going to start happening. So sit down and say to each other that um, you want to talk about the finances and talk about what your expectations are for the festive period. So plan that time when you when you're both reasonably comfortable. You're not doing it under pressure. You're doing it in advance, and then um, actually go through and, and work out the budget. You know how much money have you got? Um, how much are you going to be able to afford? And uh, be honest with each other about what that means. I think what's been really really interesting for the first time ever. I think I'm hearing um, couples and families talking about. Um, the idea that this Christmas is not so much about buying the presents and and having and spending the money like that. It's actually seeing each other. So I don't know, but the, the shock of last year of having, uh, in a sense, Christmas cancelled, not being able to do it as family things. I think it's it's changed people's um, thinking and understanding about Christmas, and there may be a move away from needing to spend lots of money at Christmas. The one thing that we did have for. Many people, not all, but during COVID, some people were actually able to start saving. They were actually able to start a savings habit. How important would you say to be able to have some kind of cushion? How important is that for people's well-being generally? I, I think it's crucially important if you've if you've got a safety net because you just don't know what's coming around the corner. You know, you suddenly face with um, the car needs um, uh, a part or replacing, or you need a new boiler, or you know, your phone's not working. You know, sometimes there's a need to just have some money to be able to manage on a day to day basis, and so you can't always plan for it. So developing a, a small pot of money that you you can use when you need to is hugely important. But not every couple has been able to do it. And I think lockdown, you're right, it created a different opportunity for many people. They weren't spending out the money on petrol like they were. They weren't going out for meals. They weren't spending out money going down to the pub or all those other things. So they were able to start paying back some of their debts or they were able to start um, building up a small sum of money. Um, And it was a really good period of time. 
But my experience subsequently is as lockdown came to an end, most people found themselves back in the situation where it was hard to save money. And there will be some people who have found themselves in a very difficult situation at a time when prices are rising, perhaps they were furloughed, perhaps they've lost their job, although we keep hearing about this um, demand for skilled labour, there will be some people who have found it incredibly difficult just to make ends meet. So if people have debt, if they are concerned about that, what kind of help is out there? There is a lot of help out there. And um, again, it's it's a really unusual thing. Um, but a lot of people struggle to ask for help. It's almost like they bury their heads in the sand or hope it's going to go away or embarrassed or ashamed to go and ask for help. But there's a, there's a huge um, number of agencies and services that are out there. So using using your bank, um, going to citizens advice, going to debt agencies, all of those will give you advice and support when you need it. Um, if your mental health is being affected by it, you're really anxious, you're worried, you know, you, you, I hear people talking about being up all through the night, worrying about what's going on, then, you know, go to your GP, get support when you can, because unless you get the support, you're not going to be able to manage. And if there's support there and ready and available, make use of it. Peter, thank you so much for talking to us today. So some really great advice there from Peter. Um, We said in our last episode that we're going to look more at that issue of divorce and we're going to be doing that in the first episode of the new year. So definitely get in touch with your experiences for that. You can find us on Instagram, just search for AJ Bell Money Matters or you can email us on moneymatters.ajbell.co.uk. Because divorce can make you think really differently about your finances. And Laura's been chatting to one woman for whom, you know, money and relationships, it's her second time around. And that has made some big changes in her life. So I'm joined by Laura Yang to talk about the potentially thorny issue of how you manage money in relationships. So Laura, you've been married and divorced and you're now in a new relationship. Um, So how do you think that past relationship experience has affected how you're handling money this time around, if at all? I think uh, my divorce, uh, I mean, when you get married, of course, you want it to to, to last for your lifetime. Uh, but uh, reality or real life just confirmed to me that uh, that's not necessarily uh, be the case. Um, so from that experience, I really learned that um, you, well, I need to be more independent and thinking probably as an individual rather than as a collective, as a couple, because it might not last. Yeah, and I think that's understandable. Do you think that your relationship with money um, might change as your relationship grows and you're with your partner longer? Or do you think that those kind of past experiences have fairly cemented your views on how you manage money in a couple? I think it will change. uh, But perhaps my past experience has taught me to be more cautious and maybe less to trustful uh, when it comes to finance and the money um, so I think it might I, I think it will change in the long run but uh, as it stands currently um, 
I think I'm more comfortable to 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 keep money separate uh, from from my relationship. Yeah. And so, what's your kind of biggest money fear in a in a couple? Then, what kind of shapes how you're managing your money? I think my biggest fear is that uh, um, everything, all the money gets merged together. Say if I contributed to eighty percent of the uh, finance together, uh, but uh, through divorce or whatever might happen, then I I get fifty percent or or even less. I just don't think that's fair. Yeah, and I think that's understandable. Um, um, I mean, we're obviously now at around Christmas time. Do you think that that is a particular? crunch point for couples is it some an area that you find a bit tricky because obviously with christmas comes a lot of spending on money or going out and um between different families as well do you find it a particular tricky area um because i'm i'm chinese and uh, all my family are in china and my partner he's british and uh, in china we don't really celebrate christmas so really it's a festival that we mainly celebrate with his family. And we actually have a, when it comes to a gift giving at Christmas, uh, we have a quite good strategy in place, which is we do secret Santa. So you set a budget and then you get randomly allocated of a particular person you would be given the gift to. Um, so I think uh, that works out quite well. Um, but clearly, that's just one small aspect of uh, of money and finance during Christmas time. Um, I mean, we we don't do any uh, financial uh, resolution, you know, at the beginning of the year. We don't do any joint budgeting. We keep our financials quite separate. So, actually, in my case, I think Christmas is okay. It's you know, it's. Um, it's similar to any other time of the year when it comes to money. And so we did some research earlier this year, which looked into secret savings, and it found that, um, so this is where you put money into an account and your partner doesn't necessarily know about it. Uh, We found men were more likely to have secret savings than women, so just over a quarter of men um, had them compared to a fifth of women, and men generally saved more in these secret accounts. But... um, Laura, you're you're a secret saver yourself. So, can you explain a bit about uh, why that is and, and what led you to to being a kind of secret saver? I think it's more probably from a security perspective, just because of my past experience and my divorce. I guess I just don't know what. No one knows what's going to happen in the future. So it's best to be safe and uh, ensure that you are financially secure. Uh, independently and not dependent on your partner or anyone else. Um, And also, um, if I have the financial capability and I'm able to save, then in a way, the financial matter is my own individual matter. I don't see um, why it's necessary to disclose to to, to my partner. And do you talk about um, these kind of things with your with your friends, and do they have similar views on how they manage money and relationships, or is there quite a spread across your friends? I 
think it's quite different um, for different people. I, I think uh, some of my friends, when I shared, you know, I have my secret saving, it's quite a shock to them. And they, they think that marriage and relationship should build on trust and transparency. Um, and money clearly is a quite important aspect of life. And if I keep secret such as this from my partner, then maybe it says something about our relationship. Um, and then some can relate to um, my ways of doing things. Um, so one of them is also divorced and uh, quite a bad um, divorce from a financial perspective. So she can totally relate to um, my approach of um, having secret saving. Um, and I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm Chinese and uh, growing up in, in China, uh, I, my, my parents' way of managing finance you know, this is great transparency. My mom knows how much my dad is making. My mom has been a housewife, so she, you know, she she does she doesn't uh, bring back a salary, but she knows very clearly how how much my dad is making, and uh, they jointly kind of manage the uh, finance for the for the household. Um, so I think my parents are quite especially surprised that uh, you know we. Like as a couple with my partner, we don't actually actually share like that kind of transparency. The the yeah, but I, I guess tradition and the culture um, and the personal experience all have an impact on your attitudes uh, towards money and and the savings. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that today. And I, I know that for a lot of people, when you look inside somebody else's financial life, it can be quite strange. And I've certainly spoken to my friends about how my husband and I do our finances. And we have a joint bills account, but we also keep things quite separate just because that's always been the way that's worked for us. Although we do both know exactly how much we earn. And, you know, if there is a requirement for something for the kids, for example, we just had to pay for a ski trip for the youngest. Um, we both know that that bill is coming and we budgeted together for that. But I know you do things differently with you and your husband and, and a lot of your friends have raised eyebrows at that sometimes. Yeah, I think so. This is a topic, how couples split their finances is a topic that at one point in my life, I became quite obsessed with. And I just asked everyone how they split their finances and wrote articles about it. But I just find it so fascinating. And that I think my conclusion from my extensive research is that there is no right or wrong. As long as both couples, both sides of the couple are happy with the situation, then I think that's all you can hope for. But yeah, my husband and I have completely combined finances, um, which lots of people my age find quite strange. I think older generations, that was a bit more normal. Um, we were fortunate that when we combined finances, we earn exactly the same amount of money. I think that made it a bit easier. So there was no kind of power imbalance, maybe. Um, and it works for us now. I would say there was definitely a period of adjustment where uh, there was some, some maybe some bickering about how we each spent money, but um, we we've worked it out now. But yeah, I just think there's there's no right way, but it is really interesting, and there are so many different ways that people do it. I have to say that if we didn't have separate accounts, 
than the amount of money that my husband spends on book and film memorabilia would probably get me a bit hot under the collar. But then he'd probably say the same about the amount of uh, money that I spend on the kids. But there we go. (laughs) So our next episode is going to be a New Year's special and it will be out just before New Year's Eve. And we're going to be joined by our colleague Jenny Owen to talk about some financial tips and hacks for every stage of your life um, and some good New Year's resolutions for those that want to sort their finances out come January. So look out for our posts on Instagram with details of when you can download it. And until then, thanks for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.